Radio. Hey, everybody, you know that feeling you're absolutely swamped with something and somebody comes up to you and asks you for a favor, you know, and you say, sure, let's do that. Even though you really don't have time to help out, we're going to help you with that. Learning to say no up next on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. As more information about the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Libya comes in, intelligence officials are now looking at the possibility that it was a coordinated terror effort. A counterterrorism official tells Associated Press the assault on the Benghazi compound that killed Ambassador Chris Stevens and three others seems too coordinated and too professional to have been the work of a spontaneous mob. Certainly not one suddenly surprised and angered by a sarcastic video about the Prophet Muhammad shown on YouTube. Whoever's responsible, President Obama saying they will be found. And make no mistake justice will be done. Speaking in the Rose Garden, he called the attack shocking and outrageous. Mark Smith at the White House. Mitt Romney is joining President Obama in denouncing the killing of the U.S. ambassador in Libya, but attacking the administration's handling of anti-U.S. violence. Just before protesters hauled down the U.S. flag at the embassy in Cairo, it called misguided the video that angered them by lampooning the Prophet Muhammad. But Romney says that's apologizing for free speech and disgraceful. An apology for America's values is never the right course. And he told reporters in Florida the White House distancing itself from that statement was also a flub. That reflects the mixed signals they're sending to the world. Still, he joined Obama in condemning the later attack in Libya that killed Ambassador Chris Stevens and three others, calling that outrageous and disgusting. Mark Smith at the White House. The intense outbreak of West Nile virus this year is continuing to get worse and more deadly. CDC officials say the number of West Nile cases are up 35 percent from a week ago with 118 deaths. Asked if the epidemic is on track to become the deadliest West Nile outbreak ever in the U.S., CDC Infectious Disease Chief Dr. Lyle Peterson answered with no hesitation. Yes. He says the outbreak probably has peaked, but its deadly impact has not. The number of deaths is likely to go up. Unusually warm weather could keep mosquitoes outspreading the disease later in the year than usual. This year's outbreak is the largest to date and certainly the most serious. I'm David Melendi. Apple has finally taken the cover off the new iPhone 5. Apple's iPhone 5 is thinner and lighter than the 4S. It succeeds, but it has a taller screen with an extra row of icons. Vice President Phil Schiller introduced it at a San Francisco event. Best of all, it's the world's thinnest smartphone. The base model carries the same $199 price tag as its predecessor and goes on sale next Friday. The announcement comes as other mobile phone makers scramble for market share. Nokia and Motorola unveiled a bevy of new phones and Amazon a fleet of new tablets last week. Warren Levinson, New York. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program every day of uh, the week to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives, better relationships, 
And today we are tackling a big, big issue, I do believe. We're tackling your ability to say no. Have you noticed it's just a lot easier for you to tell your children no than it is your boss? And are there some times where, honestly, we should be telling our boss no and our children yes? So today on the show, we're going to be getting into how you say no to people and uh, what maybe is getting in the way, what stops you from saying yes or no. One of my problems I found in my life, um, I'm actually pretty good at saying no. I sadly have this ailment that uh, has been diagnosed as the automatic no. And whenever my children ask me something, if it if it demands any energy or any money, it's pretty much a no. And they know that. And so then they're like, uh, okay, is mom here? And I'm like, you don't need to talk to your mom. I'm all you need. And so we're going to learn today effective communication. And we're bringing in an expert, a New York Times bestselling author, uh, one of the authors of the book, Crucial Conversations. Kerry Patterson's going to be joining us. He has many years of experience. He's taught in business school as well, and uh, is just a great man, great author. He's going to help us cut through how you say no to people, especially to the people you love. Uh, And how do you say it, or the people you want to impact, or the people that you really want to keep the relationship strong with, how do you turn people down? I mean, one of the problems with our life, it seems like, is our choices aren't always between good and bad, right? Saying no to something that was a bad opportunity, that's easy. But saying no to something that's a really good opportunity, sometimes that's harder. So how do you say no to other people? How do you give other people pushback? How do you give them some feedback? We're going to be talking about that, and we want to hear from you. We're opening up our phone lines, 801-422-0143, 801-422-0143, just like BYU XM, Sirius XM 143. 801-422-0143. We want to hear from you. What are the questions you have about saying no? Where do you find it difficult to say no to people? Because when we bring in our expert, you're going to have a chance to talk to him as well, and uh, he'll be giving you some answers specific to your questions. So give us a buzz. We'd love to hear from you. 801-422-0143. And um, one of the things that uh, that may be hard is you know, knowing what our yeses are, right? So we all have got a lot of work to do. We know that. But how much of what we are doing really needs to be done? What is your criteria to decide if something's really important to do or not? Our producer, Bryce, has some thoughts that he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. My family got pretty excited once my nephew Wesley started talking, but I'm not really one to jump to conclusions, and my many years of experience have taught me that babies rarely have anything nice to say, especially once they learn the word no. I remember one of my better moments as an uncle. We were sitting down eating some pizza, and Wesley hadn't touched one of his slices. So I asked him if he wanted to eat it. He said no. I asked him again, no? He said no again, but I was pretty sure that he still wanted to eat it, and that he was just saying no to say no like little kids do. But as I saw it, fate had given me a wonderful teaching opportunity. So I took his slice and ate it. Object lesson completed. I also thought it was hilarious. He didn't think it was funny at all. Two-year-olds have no sense of humor. My blunders as an uncle aside, he had no problem throwing around the word no. Since then, he has upgraded his general method of refusal to the words, I can't. Wow, the people, faces, and places may change, but the song stays the same, am I right? But this isn't weird for kids. They like the word no. But then this magical transition happens in your life and suddenly you have a hard time saying no. What's the big deal? Most of us had this down to a habit before we could properly use a 
fork. Then again, who am I to point fingers? Let me tell you about my January-April semester of 2012. I had just changed positions from being a board operator to a new producer at BYU Broadcasting. So I had a new job with more hours, and I had just become part of a research team on campus. I also had school, and I was part of a podcast team, and I was volunteering at the psych hospital around town. But I forgot one critical detail. I needed time for eating and sleeping. I was saying yes to just about every opportunity. My reasoning was simple. I need stuff for a resume, and these were seemingly once-in-a-lifetime resume-building opportunities. Long story short, I had too many long nights where my blood was mostly energy drink, and once I noticed the sunlight on a window, I was unsure if it was rising or setting. But I'm not the only person who's experienced this. may not be exactly the same. It may be more social. You might agree to doing and going to more events than you have time for. I don't know. But for some reason, even when you know you shouldn't say yes, in the heat of the moment, your mouth can't say no. Sometimes you say yes because you don't want to disappoint someone making a request. Or in my case, I was worried about losing an opportunity. But here's what I've recently learned. Just because something is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity... That does not mean that I need to take it. I need to take opportunities that are my priority, and availability does not decide my priority level. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Good work, Bryce. See, all of them, great opportunities. Um, And I guess in the end, that's what we end up running into, is it's not always the bad that's going to pull us down. Sometimes it's having five, six, seven great opportunities, and yet we've got to say no. If we don't say no, then we're inherently saying yes. And uh, that's one of the things that maybe we, we can't do in our lives anymore, is we've got to know clearly what stands out, what's most important, and then we've got to be able to communicate that no, our priorities to others. And so we're going to be bringing on Kerry Patterson, the co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Crucial Conversations, just a, a wonderful speaker, expert uh, in workplace communication and influence of other people. We'll be picking his brain. But we also would love to hear your personal stories, your questions about saying no. 801-422-0143. 801-422-0143. We'd love to hear your calls as well. Okay, folks, we'll be back. Don't say no to us. Just come back. Then we'll teach you how to say no to everyone else. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It's a camera you focus after you take the picture, and photos will never be the same. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. A new digital still camera called Lytro is changing how photographs are taken. You focus the image after you shoot the picture, on any point in the frame, as often as you like. The camera shoots in 3D with one main lens and a special way of processing light called light field imaging. Instead of only grabbing light coming straight at the lens from objects in front of you, a light field camera maps the brightness, color, and direction of every ray of light the lens can view. Then, sophisticated algorithms embedded in each photo as software allow you to select at what distance you want these points to converge into sharp focus. The original light field imagers were made from 100 separate cameras, capturing every angle of light in a scene and processing it through a stack of PCs. Since then, the camera has been miniaturized to one chip with each pixel getting its own microscopic lens, something like a fly's eye. To simulate the independent views from over a thousand virtual cameras and blend them into one 3D image with incredible depth. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. 
Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. The Kennedy Center's Global Awareness Lecture invites international diplomats, scholars, and talented individuals to speak on issues affecting the global community. The big problem is not Russia and the United States. What worries me is some of these rogue countries with their crazy dictators. Increase your global awareness, enjoy the insights of extraordinary speakers, and keep up with the world around you by tuning in to Notes from the Kennedy Center, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we're learning how to say no. You know what I mean? You can't say yes to everything, right? Even though we do a lot of times, and then we regret it. So we're, we're going to be bringing on one of our, uh, just a great expert, Kerry Patterson, the author of the New York Times bestseller, Crucial Conversations. We'll be bringing him on in a minute to talk to us about the keys to saying no. The tools, what gets in the way, what makes it such a hard decision versus what would make it an easier decision. And we'd love to hear any questions you have for Carrie or just on the subject, any ideas you have, 801-422-0143. That's 801-422-0143. We'd love to hear from you. But before we do, the world is filled with examples of why it's very important to look a questionable opportunity in the eye and say no. All right, let me dust off the old history textbook here. And by that, I mean search Wikipedia. And let's take a small glimpse into the who's who of historic should-have-said-no's. It's election season, and my mind can't help but remember a president who had a staff of plumbers. Not for fixing the pipes, but for breaking into hotels. Which turned out not to be a good idea. And it was kind of weird, too, because he was ahead in the polls. But what turned out to be a career-maker for Woodward and Bernstein was a career-buster for him. Therefore... I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Richard Milhouse Nixon should have told his plumbers no. Speaking of plumbers fixing leaks, one of the most disastrous leaks of all time happened early in the morning after a chunk of ice decided to be a can opener to the side of a boat. That ship went down slowly enough, and most everyone had time to hop on a rescue raft. Or would have if the ship's designers had insisted on enough lifeboats for everyone. Titanic engineers should have said no to the guy who suggested cutting corners on escape rafts. Speaking of bad engineering, a prominent American car company did some research which suggested that even though the company was doing fine, they should create an entirely new brand. Name it after the founder's son. Why not? So they pushed forward, building a lineup of new cars that competed with all their old cars. Except these new ones were less reliable, and those cars started rolling off the line just in time for a moderate recession. And it didn't help that some of the buyers thought the grill's weird horse collar shape kind of looked like a toilet seat. Yes, somebody at Ford Motor Company should have said no to the Edsel. Speaking of products where the customers want their money back, a big record label did have to pay a lot of cash back to its angry customers after this fiasco. Two new hot pop artists out of Germany. They had the right dance moves, the right looks. They were easy to market. Just one problem. They couldn't sing. That's no problem. The label just dubbed some studio artists onto the videos and sold them anyway. Well, that was fine until the duo were 
performing at a theme park in Bristol, Connecticut, live on TV when the track started to skip. Oh, it was so embarrassing that both of them just ran right off the stage, but that got people to start asking questions. Were they lip-syncing? Next thing they knew, they were giving their Grammy back. Their career was over. Yes, somebody at the record label should have said no to the Germanic We Can't Sing duo of Millie Vanilli. Speaking of mistakes out of Germany, invading Russia during the winter? Somebody thought that was a good idea? And speaking of saying no, if a few more countries in Europe had said no to some ideas, you know, like appeasement back in the 1930s, could have saved the world a lot of trouble. Not that Germany has a monopoly on stupid military mistakes. I remember another certain country who in 1775 thought it would be great to attack Canada. I bet there were more than a few of the 1,500 captured colonists who'd wish they'd been the ones to speak up and say no as they surrendered to the probably, you know, seven, 12 or so British Canadians who showed up to defeat them soundly. So if there's any takeaway here, history clearly shows that saying no a little more often can save you and the world a lot of trouble. That is so true, Rob. Now, who would have ever put uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon and Millie Vanilli in the same piece? I have no idea. But we just did it because people need to learn to say no. And that's why we brought on our expert, Kerry Patterson. Carrie is the co-author of um, one of uh, four, actually, books, Change Anything, Crucial Conversations, Crucial Confrontations, and Influencer. Uh, Bestseller, New York Times bestselling book, millions of copies sold there. He's also an expert in the area of workplace communication, influence, organizational change. He taught at the Marriott School of Management right here on BYU's campus. And uh, he's a grandpa. He actually just told me that he's even trying to speak a little less just so he can stay home and be a grandpa, which is way cool. Kerry, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. Now, this this no thing is kind of a big deal. It's been going on forever, right? So this isn't new. But uh, you seem to have some insight into it, having written a book and, and teaching people about it. What is it. What is it about us that makes it so hard for us to say no to people? Let me start by sort of defining the two different areas you've been talking yeah. about. I've been having a chance to listen in here, and you're talking about two scenarios. One of them is someone would like your help in something. Yeah. It could be a child who's entreating you. It could be a coworker. Uh, and then the last group that you just said were these are like stupid ideas that lead yeah. to you know like yes. unethical, Dumb. immoral yeah. behavior. And those are different scenarios. Yeah. And we'll we'll separate those out and talk about those because they have well they have different solutions. Um, they. The reason we're bad at saying no in both those scenarios is because we think bad things will happen to us if we speak up. Oh, yeah, like fear. So it's almost more fear-oriented. Human beings are cognitive creatures, so anticipate the consequences they think will occur as a result of their behaving. Mm -hmm. Uh, We discovered this in some detail some 50 years ago. It's common sense, and that's what we're doing. So we say, oh, you know, should I help? Shouldn't I help? Well, if I help, they'll see me as a helper. But then again, I'll miss the scout troop or I'll be away from my family. And so you've got this sort of set of consequences that are occurring. And overall, you're saying it's not going to be worth it. Mm -hmm. And so you say no. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Or you don't say no because one of the, you were yeah. sort of saying you're saying you're not, you don't say no to an idea. Now that's a different one yeah. because it's not asking of your time. Uh, but the consequence chain is the same kind of issue, which is wait a minute, you're going to do what? Mm-hmm. Won't we end up in jail if we do that? Right. Think Maybe, that yeah, yeah. But once again, 
you know, you've got the long-term consequences of a behavior that you may or not get, may not get caught. Kids mm-hmm. do this. You know, yeah. should, I, should I cheat on a test? Uh, we can create circumstances here in this valley. We've done some experiments. Oh, yeah. We've created where we get kids to cheat because they think, in the short run, I'm not going to get caught. In the long run, uh, you know, it's maybe. Yeah. And I'm even thinking of the long run. Right. So we got these cognitive maps mm-hmm. in our head about what will happen, and we know if we speak up to somebody, they're going to yap at us. If it's our boss, they could, you know, we could lose our job. So we don't say no. That's why we, right. we no. don't say no to the mm-hmm. boss. But it's so easy to say no to your kids, to your wife, yeah. to your family. Uh-huh. And yet, is it just we're not thinking about their priority? Well, I think I think one of the issues is um, depending on who you are and how you were raised. But I was raised in an environment where, over the pulpit of all places, I was told to be easily entreated. Yeah, um, I didn't know what that meant until I became a parent, and my That's kids right. said, "You want to you want to play shoots and ladder for like the eight hundredth time." Uh-huh. And the adults are sitting around. You're watching the football game, and and now it's my grandkids come up and say, "Hey, Grandpa, do you want to play shoots and ladder?" And it's like, "Oh, put a bullet to my yeah, head." Seriously. I actually believe that that is the moment that that particular advice was written to, which is we're supposed to in that moment. In that moment, we probably soften. ought to be we ought to soften and say yes because we quickly turn those we turn those we, we close those doors. We, mm-hmm. we send those kids away. They don't come back anymore. It's so I think I think uh, if we're smart with. We're caught, yeah. and we're saying, you know, there's a reason I'm, you know, I'm not saying no here because it might actually be the right thing to spend some time with them. And so, once again, we weigh the consequences. We ask what we should be doing at work, at home with grandkids. Always tortured decisions. Do you think we? It seems like, and this is maybe what you're alluding to too, is we dichotomize it. So it's either a yes or a no. Yes, and it's either exactly. a yes now or a no never. When it, it seems like there's such a broader range of oh, real yes. options. Yes. Like now, like can we just can we wait till the commercial and then let me just see if this, they yeah. score this touchdown? Then we'll play shoots and ladders. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I, I learned very early on we, you'd punish your kids by doing things to them that would make you suffer. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to go to your room and I'm going to have to watch you. Yeah, and then yeah, be what, mad all day. And, and then be mad. And I can't believe I'm doing it. So the issue is: is there something I can do here in the punishing situation yeah. or in the helping situation that I'd like? So I learned. I learned to sort of say, you know what? Maybe not shoots and ladders, but what if we were to? And I would take them to a game that I like. Yeah, and introduce them to that. Not one that I would necessarily beat them in. When mm-hmm. they're quite young, you want one right. where there's a it's you know it's by chance. But it was something that I kind of got a kick out of. And so finding that third way, yeah. which is really a yes to something else. Mm-hmm. So lots of times the no's really shouldn't be no's at all. They really yeah. ought to be. You know what? I agree with this dimension, which is let's spend some time together. Right. Where I'm disagreeing is and how to spend that time. Yeah. Let me offer something until you like it. This is husband I and wife that. decide. Today is my wedding anniversary, my forty third wedding anniversary. Wow. Congrats. And my wife says. Let's go out, and I and I can say no. I don't want to go out. Yeah. But over the years, I've learned to say, you know what? I'm going to say no to this particular option. Yeah. Does, does it involve like opera? Because <laughs> I don't know. I but, don't know. but what if you found a third choice that we both wanted Wouldn't to do? Be, see, What's the but, third way? And I guess yeah. maybe that's another thing is just the sheer energy that's needed. To go for the third option or the yeah, third oh, yes. alternative, there. That is such a long road. We oh. th- we feel, but honestly, it's. I guess in the end it becomes more efficient because after yeah. if you did that for 43 years, it would be so much easier than the battle of the no. Well, it calls for thinking. As one person once said, most people would rather die than think and do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, And 
who was it? Simons, who wrote, uh, who was the Nobel laureate in economics, said, "We don't maximize; we satisfy." Oh, yeah. when we're doing oh, a search, a we'll, just say, well, we'll search for like five minutes and yeah. we'll choose something yeah, that's good enough. That's good enough. Well, it's the same thing here. It requires thinking about it, and considering Energy. options, and as you're suggesting, that's time-consuming and it's 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 time well spent, right? To think of that third option. It's like we're relationally, uh, what's the word, um, lazy. <laughs> Yeah. We just don't – we don't have – we haven't exercised the character, the communication, the, what it takes to actually have a strong enough – like you're saying, in a conversation that that is crucial, you're going to end up having to work a little bit. Well, yes. Um, and be skilled and be tooled. It's easy to say no when you're in a position of power or authority. Sure. It's easy to say no to a coworker. And I have to tell you, if you look at the three – skills that you can bring to your career, the three that are most predictive of a successful career. One is knowing your stuff, which is knowing your yeah, job. That's no, obvious. Yeah. Another one is knowing the right stuff, not so obvious, which is what are the things that are plaguing this company that I can help solve? That's really Excellent. valuable. Yeah. And the third one is, is, is being seen as a team player who helps out when necessary. Ah. And so teammates come to you. It's an important thing to be able to sort of say, can I find a way to help? Because that's a valued skill for the organization. Yeah. It's helpful to your career. But if you're not careful and you can't come up with a way to help that yeah. you can then live with, you end up doing it on the back of your family, your mm-hmm. free time. Spending longer hours. I, I live in a community where people just don't sleep anymore. I know. You're much. like, where do you get all of this yeah, time? Yeah. I, I, we have a neighbor lady who gets up at four in the morning to do you know, house cleaning because no one's around <laughs> because she's got her eight, you know, six kids that are going yeah. after whatever. Uh, finding, finding that balance, finding a way to say yes to something you can survive, uh-huh. it's worth thinking about. I love that idea. And I mean, I it, you didn't think of I don't think of it that way, but really uh, the ability to say yes and to effectively you know what's the word manage mitigate the no um, is it's it's a job saver. It's going to keep your job because you're going to be seen as a team player. You're in the game. It's that's hugely important. I uh, and right now when you think about this economy and these jobs, there's really not a lot of room to say no. It feels like well, you know, um, it is more difficult. We have I have actually a couple of people around me who I know quite well who are being worked to death right now because yeah. the economy is down and the, you know and there's a lot of people who are waiting for another job because they've been overworked. Right. That's going to be a sad situation when the economy turns around and all of a sudden there's this brain drain from companies because they didn't know how to say no. Their bosses uh-huh. kept asking more and more of them. Yeah. We'd do a lot better being able to say, you know, I want to, I'd like to be able to do that. Let's talk about how we can make that work for both of us. Oh, that's fascinating. And that's an interesting question out there. So because a, a lot of our listeners probably are bosses, managers. Are you a very effective boss at – saying yes and no? Do you do you just automatically say no? Because I really am an automatic no, and I think it's because I'm inherently lazy when it comes to having to go <laughs> do the extra work. Like when my son says, can I go to a sleepover? What that usually means is I've got to go find a sleeping bag. I've got to call the parents. I've got to make sure it's okay. I've got to get them in the car. I've got to drive them over there. So I'm like, no, just put a movie on. You'll be fine. You don't need friends. That's... um. That uh, it's really insightful, <laughs> Carrie. Because when you, when, and you're a grandpa, you're a dad. What what do you find um, in those personal roles is the biggest impediment to saying yes more? What do you, what impacts you? Well, um, 
it's almost always comes down to the situation of it's not something I want to spend my time doing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes, sometimes I just don't have the time. But right now, it's a lot of people ask me to do a lot of things that if I had my first choice, I wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, that's not where you'd go. Yeah, that's not where I would be going. You know, and I'm now 66 years old, and I, have, I I'm a yes there. Are you? Yeah, yeah everything's a, big, a yes. I've been saying yes to everything for years, and there's a point at which I say, you know what? When do I do what I want to do? Interesting. And so it's easy for me to to sort of wrongfully assume that saying saying no to them is now saying yes to me and I deserve it, when if I were to take five minutes, I could find a yes mm-hmm. that would satisfy both of us. It's really about coming up with a common ground. Yeah. Figure out how to do that, and you can. You don't have to be saying no all the time. Well, and in the end, that common ground, in, it enriches your life. So saying more yeses is enriching. It's something that's going to improve your life if you find the third alternative or the third way versus my way or your way. Your yeah. way may not usually work for me in a way that enriches me. Excellent stuff. We're going to come back with uh, Kerry Patterson, one of the co-authors of the book Crucial Conversations, and he um, just got great insight. When we come back, we're going to get into specifics about how to actually say no, how to, how to push back a little bit on some people, how to give them the feedback that, you know what, I can't do that, and how to negotiate this third way that, he, that he's been talking about. We're visiting with Kerry Patterson right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. What song changed my life? There are a lot of songs that have changed my life. It's a totally brutal question to try and answer. Every musician has that one song that changed their life. Join Tony Award winner Lea Salonga, American Idol finalist Brooke White, and more of your favorite artists as they explore their lives before and after they heard that one song that changed everything. Watch The Song That Changed My Life, Monday nights at 7.30 on BYU-TV. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. The Libyan delegation to the U.N. is describing the attack on the U.S. Embassy and the death of Ambassador Chris Stevens as a saddening outrage. Ambassador Chris Stevens had contacts among Libyans of high stature and low, says Deputy U.N. Ambassador Ibrahim Dabashi. He has a great deal of friends among the Libyan people, and his passing away is a real loss for us. Dabashi described the ambassador's killing as a real blow to Libya, reiterating that the government is committed to bringing his killers to justice. Stevens, the first U.S. ambassador to Libya after the overthrow of Muammar Gaddafi, had worked with Libyans to oust the dictator. He was 52. Warren Levinson, New York. The Federal Reserve's policymakers began a two-day meeting and are expected to make new efforts to stimulate the economy. The Fed is widely expected to announce steps to prop up the ailing U.S. economy. Diane Swank, chief economist at Mesero Financial, shares that view. I think what we're looking at here is an economy that really begs for more stimulus. Unfortunately, the only one who can do that is the Federal Reserve. Many expect the Fed to unveil a new bond-buying program to lower long-term interest rates and encourage borrowing and spending. Others expect the Fed to extend the period it will keep short-term interest rates near zero. It currently plans to do that through late 2014, and now it might extend through 2015. The decision will be revealed tomorrow. David Melendi, Washington. The Obama administration's program to grant some illegal immigrants amnesty has already approved almost 80,000 applications. 
The Homeland Security Department says a small group of applications has been approved, and those immigrants are being notified this week about the decision. The department did not say how many applications had been approved. The first wave of approvals comes months ahead of the department's own internal estimates of how long the application process for the administration's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program could take, and less than 60 days before the November 6th elections. Ross Simpson, Washington. Archaeologists in England may have found the remains of King Richard III. William Shakespeare described him more than a hundred years after his death as deformed, unfinished, a monster with a deformed conscience. And a team from the University of Leicester may have found him beneath a church in central England. That's where modern accounts say Richard was buried after the Battle of Bosworth Field in 1485, the last English king to die in battle. A spokesman says the skeleton has a spine with severe scoliosis-like curvature, consistent with accounts of Richard's appearance. There are signs of trauma to the skull, and a barbed metal arrowhead sits between vertebrae of the upper back, which could also hurt. Kyle McKinnon, London. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about saying no, how to uh, kind of differentiate about which no is which, and we're going to get into that a little bit, and um, and also how do you go about saying no to people, and how do you go about you know redirecting them to another way of looking at it that might be what we were talking about, the third way or the third alternative. We're visiting with author Carrie Patterson, who's the author of the New York Times, co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Crucial Conversations, and four other books. He's just a communication expert, amazing guy. Grandpa used to teach uh, business school at the Marriott School. I still do. Are you still, you're still a grandpa? You yes. still teach? Do you I'm teach? I'm still both. I'm teaching uh, Tuesday nights this, this what are you, semester. What are you teaching? I teach Crucial Conversations. Oh, excellent. Yep. Mm-hmm. The well, MBAs? they need it. Management yep. needs this. I teach it to MBA, second-year MBAs. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Now, at, when, at the break, you brought up a really interesting point because there's sometimes we should say no, like in some of the bits earlier, like Richard Nixon should have said no because the idea of Watergate was just bad. It was wrong. Um, or uh, Millie Vanilli shouldn't have been faking lip-syncing and pretending like they're really singing. Those those are like obvious no's, so that's one kind of no. But then there's another no that is not just about right or wrong or a right idea or a wrong idea or a healthy idea or a bad idea. Talk about that other one. Well, we started our research into this particular topic by watching people sitting around the boardroom disagreeing. And there's a hundred times a day in organizations that are coming up with new ideas, and that's most companies, mm-hmm. where people disagree with the concept, with an idea. It's not earth-shattering, but wait a minute, that could cause us some problems. And we sit there quietly or silently uh, fuming in some cases mm-hmm. until we can't take it any longer. At least that's what would happen as we watched when people would move from silence to violence. Right. That's stupid. That's dumb. That's not going to work. That's so they kind of be aggressive problem. or passively aggressive. They go passive-aggressive. They start off as passive, and then one day after they can take it no longer, they say, you know what? That's never going to work. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Uh-huh. And the other person, as you can hear, when they hear know the first word and why you're wrong is right. the Game second on. one. Game on. 
we're taught to compete intellectually. We're going to do it. We teach it in MBA programs, and we attack each other, and off you go, and they don't make the best choices. Uh, they don't agree on the choices, and there, are, there is a better way of dealing with it. Right. A much better way. See, it's, it really is. It's how you approach the no or the, hey, let me give you another idea on this. Mm-hmm. How you approach that, I guess, sets up how you're going to handle it for the next yeah. 20 minutes yeah. or 30 it, minutes. You know, we used to call it the hazardous half minute. The first 30 seconds <laughs> true, though, huh? sort of sets up the theme. Is this going to be an honest and help, uh, helpful discussion where we use dialogue? Everyone's right. adding to it. Or are we going to go out at hammer and tong where we make winners and losers? The first thing you have to ask yourself as your, as your emotions kick in, and they can kick in oh, yeah. when your ideas are challenged, is ask yourself, what do you really want? Because if you wait long enough, you're going to want to win. Right. And then you're going to want to make them look bad. And crush them. Yeah, I want to crush them. <laughs> and that's not what you really want. Well, not especially when it's your son in a sleepover. No. <laughs> what are we, why is my no. ego involved in that? Right. My, my mother-in-law would come and say, you know, uh, uh, some – Basketball player was horrible. And I, and my sh- and she oh, was living. Don't mess with my team. Are you kidding? Yeah. Carl Car- Malone, are you kidding? <laughs> you know, he can't make any free throw. He's the best player. Uh, Here I am. Yeah. Here I am reaming out my sweet little old mother-in-law. <laughs> And one day I said, what do I really want? I That's wanted right. to be comfortable in our mm-hmm. home. I wanted to glad to be here. And so you have to stop and say, I don't want to be winning all the time anymore. Right. I want us to come up with the way we're both happy. I guess that just yeah. shows you that it's such a reactive tendency. Oh, yeah. This is all about – so. But if we start thinking about it, if we start and if we kind of start it with that soft startup or whatever mm-hmm. we call it in marriage counseling, it's the soft start, mm-hmm. right? Um, so how do we do this? How do we go about giving the feedback to no? The, the no, let's just do the no for the thing we shouldn't be doing anyway. Hey, do you want to do some drugs? You know, it's interesting you use that <laughs> one because we had, there was a campaign out that was a just say no. Right. It's because framing the word no is a just. That's easy. We That's can't right. do that. If you look at the social situation that occurs in, Tons of it could be turning your back on your best friends. Mm-hmm. It could be ostracized. You could get beat up. You could yeah. have a dealer take oh, – who knows what could happen? So it was never any right. just and just saying right. no. So the issue becomes you want, you want to disagree with someone. Let's take it to a scenario where – let's go back to that work scenario yeah. that we were talking about earlier where you disagree with the idea. The first thing is catch yourself early before you get angry. Yeah, before Spe- you're sp- yeah. emotional. Yeah, and if you are emotional, ask yourself, wait a minute. They're a reasonable and rational person. We don't see this model anymore. If no. you go to politics, no. it's like all the other people are idiots. Yeah. Everybody on the other side of the aisle, drooling idiots, needs uh-huh. rule cups. What's That's wrong right. with them? Let me tell you why I'm smart and they're stupid. That's just wrong. People mm-hmm. are smart. There's good reasons why people they do have things view. that are different. And right. you need to understand what that is as right. much as they need to understand what you, what you have to say. And so the first issue is say, why did a reasonable, rational person do that? And in so doing, you calm yourself down. Okay, good. Second issue is you establish common ground by saying, you know what? I'm not sure we agree on this. I'd like to to talk about it where we can both hear about what the other person has to say and see if we can come up with something we both yeah. like. Yeah. And so rather than saying, let me t- no, and you're wrong, you start off by saying, can we spend some time talking about the topic? And because I'm not sure we see it the same way. And I think it would be great That's if we brilliant. could come up with something where we could see it the same way. Well, and it's interesting. And then I guess you're, that you're going to let them talk. And as they talk and explain their view, you're going to get more data, more ideas of yes. where you can start to leverage. Well, and you're not going to be listening for what's wrong in what they're saying. Uh-huh. I mean, it starts in a very young age. You're sitting in a classroom thinking, I don't have a contribution unless someone's wrong. Uh, yeah, I've got can, to compete. I've got to compete. I have to correct them. And so we're listening for the mistake. Ah! You raise got your you. hand and yeah. they got you. And you may agree with 99% of it. You're looking for the 1%. 
1%. You got to get out of that mode. It's so interesting. I went oh, to a private yeah. school, Carrie, where they taught you that if you ever have to correct the teacher, A, question yourself if it's worth it. Mm-hmm. B, if you have to question them, you always say, Mrs. Johnson, am I correct in thinking? Mm-hmm. And you, it's this soft, gushy, but honestly, it's because it's the, it's the authority. You don't. You shouldn't. You should be doing that with anybody. If you watch best practices, we mm-hmm. started our studies by looking where they were having problems, and then we said, "Let's watch the people who are the most effective." And they would send this to people who could communicate effectively, right. and they would look for mutual purpose. They would start with an expression that says, "You know what? It sounds like we might disagree," rather than wrong. Totally. And I wonder if we could talk about this in a way where maybe we could come up with something we both like. And then you might say, could, "If I would, if it's okay, if I start, let me share the facts as I see them." Now, I'm not saying why are you wrong and I'm right. Let me, let me share yeah. with you what I, what I see, and maybe we can show you how I differ, and then I'd love to hear your point of view. On I, I think that's yeah. – I mean, especially if they're willing to listen. So here's kind of my view, and it's not perfect, and yeah. let me hear your view. Yeah. And it sounds like this is where we're together, yeah. and it sounds like we're, this is where we're a little different, and so what could we do to bridge that? And, and when you're sharing your view, um, you're sort of violating all the rules of debate. Yeah, In you debate, are. you're sort of like are forceful. Mm-hmm. You're, you're performing for people who are judging you. Yeah. Not, so it's not to have it's, a relationship. It's to beat you. And uh-huh. other people are going to say, you won that point. That's you right. won that point. And No, we don't want to do any of that. And so we're going to be tentative in our language. We're going to use language like, you know, this, this, this may not be complete, but let me share mm-hmm. at least what I have here. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not sure this is exactly right, but it's kind of where my thinking is now. Right. Which is very different than let me tell you why I'm, you are you know, why I'm right and you're wrong. It's inter- the language is just kind of – it's just softer. It's more um, – I guess it's more tentative. Like I, I'm not saying I know everything, but I, I, this is what I have seen. And and you need to believe that about uh-huh. yourself. Yeah, you, you can't be posturing. No. It can't be a trick. You need right. to sort of say, they have good ideas. I have some ideas. If if they're incomplete, I bet I am as well. Yeah. Let me share the part I know. That's great. You know, and that is um, again. That just sounds like a lot of work. But in the end of like a, Ooh, it, the, the opposite yeah. is more work. Debating oh. and fighting over a silly business project ends up taking so much more out of you. Going home every night thinking about. Oh, that. I've watched people sort of go to silence, pretend to agree, oh. uh, withhold their d- differing opinions, and then the meeting's over and the battle begins. Yeah. Rather than the implementation uh-huh. begins, where they're moving forward with un- right. unity and conviction and a great idea, it's like how do I undo this stupid debacle that's yeah. about to unfold here? And they do post meeting lobbying. It takes seven or eight more meetings. So Finally, someone speaks their mind. Oh, they give it half-hearted. Uh-huh. You know, uh, they make you sure see that in fails. marriage a lot, don't you? Where oh. we, we lose our voice, we can't say what we want to say, so instead we just kind of silently oh, yes. steam and we bring it down and by we sabotage. Pray, we pray and work for failure. Mm. And then we say, I told you so. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, this was yeah. your idea. Yeah. I didn't want this. And it's, model, it's modeled in TV shows and books. You'll see leaders doing that as if somehow it's effective. Oh, There's right. a heroes in some cases. I know. Thinking, that's horrible leadership. I crushed you. Yeah, I crushed you. I won. I made you look bad. And uh, so I guess my scorecard's higher than yours. Well, we you know see what? it in politics, in talk oh. radio. We see it. I mean, it's it's oh. literally – and we speak – that's one of the things I've noticed is you, people end up speaking as if it's a fact. So I state my opinion as if it's factual. 
not as if it's just an opinion. I mean, that's how you soft shoe it is. Mm-hmm. You know, in my opinion, my view and yeah. my view that's limited. Sees, or, or, I see it this yeah, way. Well, here's what I've seen. This was my experience in my past uh-huh. time I tried one of these, and here's the kind of thing that happened. Do you see that differently? Uh-huh. And so you use tentative language, and then you invite them in. You actually invite different So you, you constantly invite them back yeah. in Did to I have play that, off of what you said. Do I have said. that right, or am I missing something here? That's you hear the language. This is the language of invitation. Invitation means it's dialogue mm-hmm. rather than monologue. Now talk about the yeah. invitation. Because like, in a lot of times with a, dia- or a monologue or a, um, a debate – we're not even asking for retort. I don't want your reply. I'm going to crush you. I'm going to shut you up. But you're saying we want to state it kind of tentatively, state our opinion, our feelings. You know, like I, I, I really would love to help the PTA. It's just it, right now it may, not, it may not work for me. Is there a way? And then you say some inviting statement. You invite them back in. Well, in that particular, yeah, that's right. You invite them back in and say, "Can you think of something I could do? I can't do A, B, and C because my yeah. time allotment is just not there right now. Is there something that I could do that, that, that I could do, say, on a Thursday or something uh, yeah. that would be smaller that I could actually help? Because what you want to do is you want to start with what you agree on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're often in violent agreement. Oh, that's right. You know, people are. Oh, I you listen can. to people and it's like, aren't they making the same argument? So agree when you can. Totally. We often will agree with eighty percent of what they're saying, and we and they're leaving something out. And so in that case, we want to agree and then build. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you got this, you got this, and you got. I agree with that. I agree with that. I'm wondering if we need this as well. Yeah. And then the third one is okay. Maybe I don't agree. Then you're going to do contrasting rather than attacking. Yeah. Here's just how I'm seeing it, but am I wrong? Here? I see. It. I don't see it. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Where am I missing that? You know, I, I have to tell you, I'm surrounded by people who are very good at this. Yeah. And when I watch them in action, it's like it's genius. You watch people who are good at this, you think to yourself, these people are good. Well, and I can only imagine what your board meetings must be like <laughs> at Vital Smarts, where yeah. they wrote the book Crucial Conversations. Because well, to have four or five owners that know what they're doing on this. I have wow. to say my partners are very good at it. Yeah. I'm, I'm inherently a debater, uh, and it's very interesting. I say yes to requests, mm-hmm. but when it comes to intellectual stuff and ideas, or you want you want six years in graduate teeth. school is all about disproving right. you. And so my natural proclivity is to look for what's wrong. And so I've had to work much harder, but fortunately, I'm surrounded by people who are mm. geniuses in, in dialogue. Well, yeah. and it's got to give you an advantage. I mean, professionally, your business is running smooth and well are better than probably most because you can talk through these issues. You can't allow ideas to float and nobody needs to sink them in the pool of discussion. Well, we don't. We have sitting around at a table at any given moment someone from marketing who's 20 years learning that part of the field, someone yeah. in sales. We have the pr- production people who have to manufacture it. We have people who have to deliver it. We have designers. And under those circumstances, we need to hear from all of them. Right. And the worst thing that could happen is when an owner says, well, here's an idea. Why don't we break into Watergate? I mean, that would be yeah, the metaphor. Exactly. I was just thinking, it sounds like a yeah. cool thing. Why don't we just steal from them? Or we're like, no. <laughs> and you need to have people say, you know, I'm not sure that makes sense. Let me, right. I mean, maybe in your previous company it yeah. worked, but let me explain why it might not work here. And uh, then invite feedback. Invite, and am I Circle missing back. something? And the minute you open it up where it's okay for uh-huh. you to disagree and to share your valued opinion, you have collaboration. You make the best decisions. People act with unity and conviction because they've been involved. We don't have the lobbying and whatnot. It takes a little longer to get the ideas out, right. and, and we implement at laser-like speed. See, it's, to me, it's, it's the key, isn't it? And it's, that's this really weird little pivot point. It's right around their statement, and your response to their statement is this moment of choice. Yes. We call them crucial moments. They happen – what it means is how you choose to respond to this particular situation that you disagree with, mm-hmm. and your emotions are getting kicked in, and you're getting stupid as your emotions yeah. get kicked oh, in. Yeah. 
If you can take a breath, ask yourself, why would a reasonable person do this, and start off with common ground, share tentatively, invite uh, alternative views. Make sure you don't pile on too many things. Yeah, right. Right. Don't you know, share your ideas, but don't pile it on. And don't go on forever. Yes. I mean, that's one of the keys, too, it seems like, is kind of short is better, shorter is better, and then get them talking, and then get you back in the yes. – so that is keeping everyone in the conversation. Cutting it short makes you, makes you have dialogue rather than dueling soliloquies. I love that. You know, it's <laughs> it's so true, though. Yeah. Because it is. It's just dueling monologues, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. then the minute that's going on, you may as well just leave because it's no oh, longer yeah. happening. It's I've watched people. Happen. I've watched effective people stop halfway through and say, "You know what? You're trying to win. I'm trying to win. We're neither of us are going to be happy yeah. with this. Let's take a breath and look for something that we both like." That's you know? it's awesome. As we as we kind of start wrapping this up a little bit, Carrie, what do you think? Okay, as the guy listening at home, driving home, listening to SiriusXM, he, he you know he's he hasn't done this very well. What would you say is the key thing to focus on? first? Is it the spirit of like, you always say kind of get your head in the right place, giving the benefit of the doubt. Is that where we begin? What should he, what should he or she do just to get started that, well, yeah. that might carry it? First of all, be, be aware of what your own native tongue is. You, you know, what is it you typically do? Are you a person who goes to silence? Are you a person who then goes to violence? What are your crucial moments like? When do you get upset and mm. either sort of clam up and go home and complain to your spouse or blow up and kind of lose it and push yourself too strong? Find those moments. Right. Because it's not all the time. No, I no. mean, a lot of, there's a lot of, hey, how you doing? How was your day? Oh, what do you think of those whatever, the, the Panthers or whatever? Mm-hmm. But you've, uh, what are your moments where all of a sudden you're getting hooked? So notice that notice your, your tongue, your native yep. approach, yep. and kind of the, the – the spaces in time yes. when you might be more likely to hit the wall. Yes, absolutely. So know your native tongue. Second issue is then when you catch yourself in that moment, stop, take a breath, and ask yourself, wait a minute, why are they thinking that? They're mm-hmm. a decent person rather than what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. You know, but ask yourself, why would a reasonable person do that? Now take the a thought, breath. Tell me about the thought of that. The thought of that changes my feeling, oh yeah, my intention about this moment. So, because if I think they're an evil spawn of Satan, then that's different, right? Than me thinking that they just didn't understand. When you think they're the evil spawn of Satan, your body <laughs> is preparing for an attack. Yeah, you're going to attack yep. back. Your brain actually starts functioning different. You move from using this uh, the cerebral cortex out front yeah. to the middle of brain or the amygdala, which we're prepared for fight or flight, mm-hmm. and you're dumbed down. You yeah. literally act in stupid ways. Like and you little... need to be smart right. rather than stupid. Under these high stakes, so the moments. thought's not just to have a good thought. You're not just trying to make up a good no. positive. You're literally trying to manage your emotion, uh, and you're rewiring your brain reaction. Love that. Yeah. So uh, know your language. Get the thought, the higher brain thought mm-hmm. of okay, why would a decent, yeah. reasonable person do such a thing? And then, and then look for common ground and say, you know, I'd like to come to a solution that we both like here. Yeah. So they know that you're not trying to make them lose and you win. You're setting the ground rules for collaboration. Where are we together? That's kind of where we'd begin, right? Okay, good stuff. We are talking, uh, wrapping up our conversation here with Kerry Patterson, co-author of the book Crucial Conversations. It really is a must-read. I'd highly suggest you get out, get it, pull it down on Amazon, get it anywhere. It's in bookstores all over. They've sold millions of copies. It's that good. The, they have an updated second uh, edition that has new research and case studies that's out there. So be looking for that. Plus, they have a bunch of other books, Crucial uh, Confrontations, Influencer, which is about change. And um, isn't that the one about change, about how to influence other people, how to yes. gain power with yes. people in a, in a healthy way? How to create way. change. Yeah. yeah, love that. Uh, and uh, Carrie, where can they reach you? What's a website they could go check uh, out? Go to vitalsmarts.com. 
Vitalsmarts.com. And it'll tell you all about us. Appreciate you. Carrie, thanks for being here. Thanks for having Take me. Take care Matt. of your grandkids. Good stuff with Carrie Patterson. We'll be back wrapping up this topic about uh, learning to communicate and say no to others uh, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. NASA research has inspired some out-of-this-world hairstyling tools. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Lessons learned from research in space can wind up being used in a wide variety of industries, but one of the most surprising is a line of high-tech hair and cosmetic products based on nanomaterials developed by Dr. Dennis Morrison at the Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. Morrison's invention was a ceramic metallic nanoparticle delivery system, originally designed to deliver cancer medicine into tumors with high precision, and first created in the microgravity of space. The side effect of Morrison's work attracted the attention of Farouk Shami, founder and chairman of Farouk Systems. Shami concluded that negative ions given off by the advanced composite materials could make hair healthier and easier to style. He incorporated the ceramic technology into Farouk Systems' Chi brand of hairstyling irons, and raised the bar for the entire hairstyling industry. Farouk also incorporates silver nanoparticles in several of their beauty products to disinfect and kill microbes without the use of harsh chemicals, another lesson taken from NASA space missions. For an encore, Farouk Systems is exploring ways to adapt NASA's research on LED light treatment of skin to stimulate hair growth without chemicals. Research in space has never looked so good. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Travel the musical road of American history on Highway 89 Scenic Byway. With music from talented musicians from BYU campus and across the globe, Highway 89 brings you the best performances from classical to jazz and folk to rock. Tune in for a musical journey with Highway 89 at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Wrapping up the show, just had a great discussion with Carrie Patterson. Uh, uh, the author of Crucial Conversations. And at the end of the show, we're going to be giving you a number to call, and we're going to be giving away two of his books. Uh, He brought in two books to give away, and we'd love to give those to you. If you would like one of those books, give us a call. We'll give them to the first two callers at 801-422-0143. 801-422-0143. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'll we'll get your name and address, and we'll give you... Each a copy of those books. We'll mail those out for you. Now, before we move on and we wrap this thing up, you ever been with a group of people and got talked into doing something that you didn't want to do? Well, you may have fell victim to the classic problem of groupthink. I would like to start off with a story. Once upon a time, I was a freshman and had just moved into my college dorm. I had five roommates, and one evening... We had decided to order pizza when one roommate suggested going to get Chinese instead. Another roommate seconded the motion, and before we knew it, we had piled into the car and were on our way to the nearest Chinese restaurant. 
When we arrived, we ordered the Kung Pao chicken and sat down. When our food came out, no one really seemed excited to eat it. I asked what was the matter, and one roommate replied, Well, I'm allergic to peanuts. Oops. Then another roommate piped up and said, And I'm a vegetarian. Okay, well, I guess that's good to know. Then, to top it all off, the roommate who suggested Chinese in the first place admits that she hates Chinese. We all looked down at our food and then at each other. How on earth did we end up in a Chinese restaurant when at least three of the six of us didn't want Chinese at all? The answer was groupthink. Groupthink happens when we are so focused on being a good group member and seeking for that classic group cohesion that we forget to look at the other alternatives. Oftentimes, those alternatives are the logical ones. This trap is especially easy to fall into when we have a new group and want to appear agreeable. So my roommates and I were not to blame for this dinner disaster. None of us wanted the other ones to think that we didn't like their idea. No one wanted to play the devil's advocate. Now, groupthink doesn't just happen when choosing dinner options. Groupthink happens in businesses, academics, sports, and just about everywhere. And it's a big threat. I'm studying accounting right now, and one of the focuses of the auditing profession is being skeptical. Now, usually being skeptical is a less desirable trait, and I must admit, it's not like everyone wants to be best friends with an auditor. Shouldn't we all be a little bit trusting sometimes? But for auditors, being skeptical means playing devil's advocate and asking questions instead of just agreeing with what management might say. I mean, maybe Enron wouldn't have fallen so hard if even just one person had said, something here is a little bit off. Instead, everyone wanted to ride the high profit margin and the inflated stock price. And as Americans, we all love the individual. Just take Steve Jobs. Where would we be if he and his team hadn't dreamt up the iPod? They definitely weren't following the norm. So I guess the moral of the story is, don't be afraid of offending people. They might even thank you for playing the devil's advocate. I mean, just think of me and my roommates. If I had said just once that I wasn't in the mood for Chinese, or maybe suggested getting Italian food instead, my roommates and I wouldn't have spent $20 on food we didn't want and a lesson on group things. Great advice. Great advice, Catherine. As I, uh, we've all fallen prey, I think, to a little group think, hey, yeah, what's the worst thing that could happen if you throw eggs at someone's house? Well, let's find out. Um, as we wrap up the show on communication, it, it really is. It's a core. It's a core skill set. And I love a lot of the just a lot of the points that Carrie made. Again, we're giving away uh, two copies of the book, Crucial Conversations. We'd love those to be for you. If you would just give us a buzz at 801 801- 422 0143. 801, that's not a 1-800 number. 801-422-0143. Give us a call and we will send two, uh, a copy each uh, of the book Crucial Conversations to everybody, that, the first two callers that call. So appreciate you doing that. Now, a couple just little quotes for you about communication as we wrap this thing up. Uh, um, a great famous quote uh, is that we have two ears and one mouth, right? So that we can listen twice as much as we speak. Um, 
Another one that I really liked a lot is the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. That's George Bernard Shaw, and nothing's more true than that. I think as we all sit down and talk to each other, we think we've actually understood each other, when in reality, we do not have a clue. We don't have a clue what's going on, uh, because most of us aren't spending much time listening. A lot of us are just spending way too much time talking. So there you go. It's okay to say no if you use the right technique. Uh, Get in your head. Make sure you give them the benefit of the doubt. Figure out where you're together, and then... Always invite them back in the conversation so they'll share and talk more with you. Thanks for listening to us, folks. If you have any questions or comments, please uh, just email that to mattchat at byu.edu. And if not, we'll uh, enjoy talking and being with you again tomorrow right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. The following is a production of BYU Broadcasting in cooperation with the Brigham